Hello everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This is Lee here and if you are a startup or in the scale-up of your business then this is the perfect episode for you. I was lucky enough last week to be joined by John Attridge who has four decades of experience in the world of business and he is going to take you through uh, all of his tips and tricks to get the best mindset to help develop your business. A really good listen this one, some great advice well worth listening to so enjoy okay everybody welcome to the business networking show and i'm delighted to be joined today by um i would say an expert in business a very experienced man called john attridge john welcome to the show tell us a little bit about yourself uh, how you got into the business that you're in tell us a bit about your business and then we're going to get some helpful tips and tricks from you aren't we Sure. Yeah, nice to be here, Lee. I'm often often worried about the term expert, though, because some said it's the X is the unknown quantity and a spurt is a drip under pressure. So I don't know if that applies or not. Um, but uh, there we go. Uh, yeah, I've I've uh, I've just struck gold, really. Uh, my business has become an overnight success. It's just taken 31 years. <laughs> so, so uh, it's, uh, it started in Australia in 1989 in the middle of a pilot's dispute where every single pilot, commercial pilot in Australia went on strike. At the time, I had a, a car rental business, and so I was relying totally on inbound tourists. So this strike went on for five months. So a little bit like COVID, we had to do something a little bit different in order to survive as a business. And uh, the idea came along to start a business community and what started as an idea with initially 50 businesses in it today spans through our direct network and, and white label network about 480,000 businesses in 32 countries. Wow. Wow. And so from Australia to Bournemouth, what was, why did you move? I came here as the director of tourism for the Bournemouth tourism authority and uh, and bought my thongs and t-shirt thongs for the people watching is uh, uh, things that you wear on your feet in australia but it, I, I i got tricked i came here for the weather but uh met my wife and uh, 17 years later the rest is history as they say brilliant and you still wear your thongs now absolutely <laughs> you'll be on the beaches of sandbanks i bet you that's where you're uh, absolutely yeah that's how uh, i can walk there very quickly so uh, it has, does have a decent beach so John what you got for us today then we've got some really good things coming up I've got a little insight on what you're going to do but um, some stuff that's really going to be helpful to businesses and especially now because we're now into lockdown the sequel Um, so now is a really important time for businesses to not curl up but just get out there yeah so I did a recent survey uh, with uh, 6,200 respondees uh, through COVID and whatnot, and it suggested that just over 40% of businesses uh, uh, in this period that have done a little bit different uh, are now doing as well, if not better, than what they were doing previously. There's another 40%, most of them due to government intervention and whatnot, like uh, tourism sector, hotels, restaurants that have been forced to close, and therefore they're obviously significantly worse off than previously. There's a 20% in the middle that are looking out of their cave every now and then to see if it's safe to come out, uh, that are quite not sure if they can or can't or what they should do. But the overall statistic was that the 40% that are trading are doing about 80% of what the 100% were doing previously. So there's an interesting statistic. 
Uh, as you know, Lee, I help uh, businesses of all shapes and sizes, uh, from startups and very small micro businesses to growing businesses, scale ups, and you know, right up into the big end of town. But like the business uh, structure here in the UK, the vast majority are in this section of either startups or uh, or uh, micro businesses or small to medium sizes, turnovers of up to 10 million, employing up to 50 staff, which is where the vast majority of the world's businesses lie. So I did a presentation the other day that I think is, that's where you uh, caught me on uh, my top 16 tips that took me um, uh, uh, eight minutes in that presentation to deliver 40, uh, four decades of, uh, of information to get to the number one thing. So we're gonna expand about a little bit on that today. So I'll just go through the, the, the bits and pieces as we go. And uh, if you've got questions, Lee, and, and whatnot, and I'm more than happy after this, if people want to come and uh, have a look, little look and, uh, and ask me some, uh, some relevant questions. So these are in no particular order, but these are just uh, things that I've gone through and said uh, are things that you've, you've got to you know, really focus on uh, during the, uh, the, the pandemic, but it does get to the number one thing, I believe. So starting off with being agile, um, and I'm not calling it pivoting, but being agile, the ability to be nimble, to be light on your feet, to be able to seize upon opportunity, take a slight deviation in your business like I did 31 years ago uh, to overcome disaster. So um, an example of that is I have a sock manufacturing business in Bulgaria as a, as a customer. Uh, they make those nice reinforced heels and toes in quality socks. And because of COVID, the demand was falling. So they were able to turn their machinery into a hand sanitizer business, creating um, uh, PPE products. Normally their turnover is about 1.75 million a year. When I spoke to the guy who runs it at the end of July, he'd done 3.5 million in turnover up to the end of July. Wow. So... There's a way, and you know, so people have got to look. I've got a photographer here in the UK that's uh, part of my community, and they do stock standard photography. They noticed when they were doing Zoom calls that about 50% of the community that were on the call had their own background in uh, in place. So you're looking at their bedroom and their laundry and and bed and other stuff that's in there. Not a really professional image. I saw a guy on one of the calls yesterday, and he was sort of looking up to the camera. You see mould on his ceiling. Um, so that sort of thing. So, you know, if you want a professional image, these, this guy's uh, gone from photography to doing backdrops. So he takes a professional picture or, or on your plan, does a backdrop. It's up to like five, six feet and by square. You, you hang it behind you and you've got a lovely backdrop to, to put to your Zoom. Because if you have those um, um, uh, digital ones, sometimes when you move your head, you can see stuff coming out the back. I'm sure you've seen them, Lee. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this looks, it's a static image that sits behind you, but there's an example. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's already set up a new deviation to his business. So um, the next thing I spoke about was um, uh, if you always have to change to plan B, then plan A wasn't uh, thought through enough, but no, nobody can see things like COVID coming. So you've got to be a little bit agile uh, to work uh, through the thing and ask yourself the question, what if, what if complete disaster struck and uh, you couldn't see it coming, what are the sort of things you can do? These are things you can uh, plan for. So that was the first one. The second one is understanding the, the why. It's, and when you're explaining it to people, it's, it's not 
um, it's not what you do. It's, 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 it, sorry, it's not what you do explaining it, it, it or how it's done. It's what it does. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, you know, if I was explaining a car to an alien, I wouldn't say that it's got four seats and a steering wheel and it's got a, a fuel injected system. I'd say it's a, it's a mechanism that allows you to move from A to B at 60 miles an hour. Does what that make problem, sense? What problem does it solve? Yeah, exactly. But, but in, yeah, it, what it does, not how it does it. Yeah. Um, so th that's your sort of your business why. And a part of that is your elevator pitch. So it's important to people that are on Zoom calls and whatnot, which particularly during this month, there's going to be a lot of. Um, ask uh, your 12 year old son or daughter or cousin or niece or somebody, what, deliver your elevator pitch. And if they get it, you've got it. And if they don't, you need to change it. Does that make sense? Yeah, great. <laughs> um, surround yourself with great people. The old saying, uh, it's, it's hard to soar like an eagle if you're surrounded by turkeys. <laughs> so th there's a lot of business owners uh, that like knowing more than everybody else around them. They think that because they're the kingpin pin with all the knowledge that that's great. But I'd take the other uh, view that if you get people that know more about stuff than what you do, then you have a, a greater sum where one plus one equals three. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, the next one is if you're in staff, so you're in a perhaps uh, scale-up business and there's a great one going on at the moment with this uh, kickstart scheme where you can get uh, people in to assist you for up to six months for free. Anybody wants any detail on that, uh, let me know. Uh, but that's ready to go now. So, you, but if you always be recruiting, so recruit when you don't need to. What happens when people only recruit when the, a vacancy becomes available is that they're in panic mode. So they're reaching out for the best candidate at the time rather than, than uh, grooming uh, potential candidates on a constant basis over time. So that way you got the person, even if you haven't got a job for them right now, in, in the future it can, uh, can be done. When you're recruiting, get complementary skills. So most people in business are great at what they do, but hopeless at running some other aspects of their business. So get people in that are great and passionate about doing the stuff that you don't like. Uh, that, that's a big, uh, big failing. And I use a system called DISC, which is a, um, a, a profiling uh, system that, um, that determines what sort of people is. It's not right, it's wrong. It's not, um, it's not uh, an IQ test. It just gets complimentary people. So you've got the right passengers on your bus, but they're also in the right seats. Okay. Yeah. Health is another thing, uh, Lee, that you know, and this was best explained to me with uh, a guy that did uh, 24 under on the European golf tour, Chris Watts, great guy. And uh, he, he came in and said, uh, quiz, John, how much of the human body is water? And I said, I don't know. And he said, 92%. I said, how much is, and he brought out, out a pot plant. He said, how much is a, is a plant water? I said, I don't know. And he said, 92%. Then he puts out a brown pot plant and says to me, what's wrong with the pot plant, John? I went, well, it needs water. And he just looked at me and he says, do you have three litres of water a day? And I went, no. How do you feel? Oh, I don't know. Drinking three litres of water, really? So I tried it and now water sits down by my desk, sits down by my side. During the course of the day, I sip away and have three litres of water a day. And believe me, it's made an absolute, absolute unbelievable difference. Yep. 
Is one of the differences you have to keep running to the toilet, or is that uh, on the odd occasion? Yes, if you're, if you're old and uh, decrepit like I'm getting, then uh, then absolutely. Um, having a positive mental attitude and then doing a little bit of exercise every day. These things might uh, sound uh, easy and understandable, but um, your health, you can't do any of the things in your business if you don't have decent health. The, the next tip was uh, to get what we call here at BBX a spam budget. So it's sponsorship, promotion, PR, advertising, marketing, and every web-based product. So the big companies spend five to 8% of their turnover on these products. So if you go to Coca-Cola and if they were a billion turnover business, they'd be spending you know, somewhere in the order of 50 to 70 million a year on these sort of uh, uh, um, uh, 500 to 700 million uh, a year if they're a 100 billion turnover company. So this is everything to get known. So um, people say, well, John, I don't have the money to, to get a, uh, an advertising or a marketing budget. And that's one of the things, as you know, Lee, that we do at BBX is, is try and capture and monetize uh, 10 to 15% of your spare capacity. That's the ability to take on more business without uh, increasing fixed cost. And so uh, if you can create some of that uh, wastage, turn it into health value to apply to marketing, then other people will find out about you. Yeah. My next tip is to, to sack bad customers. Now, I know that probably sounds counterintuitive, but if you think about it, if you had 100 customers, I bet you that you get 80% of your revenue from the best 20. And then on the flip side, I bet you 80, if you had 100 issues during the course of uh, the year, 80, 80 of them will come from the worst 20 customers. And they're the ones that also just buy on price. So, you know, all of a sudden, if you increase your price or don't give them a discount, they go elsewhere. So my advice is to sack bad customers, double your price, and that'll do to determine uh, whether or not uh, people are uh, buying you for value rather than for, uh, for price. Yeah, exactly what you're saying there, because with my hygiene business, I've had those customers before, um, and I can pinpoint one now right in the forefront of my mind that just they, they were really bad at paying they they'd let invoices run up and run up and run up and by the time they paid it it would take me chasing them constantly and that's taking my time up and by the time they paid it the, the payment wasn't worth anything anyway because you know you you, you, you it might as well have sat there as stock you know it just wasn't good enough and um they're very hard to build relationships with as well those those customers so yeah that one's gone <laughs> yeah, well, and and it'll get rid of most of your problems too. So, if if you if you're not uh, can't be tempted to get rid of them, double the price, and they'll leave themselves, <laughs> or, or or that it'll be worth uh, the extra bits. The next one, uh, Lee, is develop multiple and reoccurring revenue streams. So, some sort of uh, development that you can get paid for. You set it up once, and then people pay you on a monthly basis. A little bit like your partnerships, yeah. as a model. Uh, you know, you do the hard work bringing people on, you deliver the value by providing content, but each month you don't have to resell to that same person, they just pay away. Building on that, what other things can you do in your business uh, that will get the same customer to either pay more for another product or more for the service that you're currently providing? So the overall theme is to stop selling time for money. Everybody's got a limited amount of time. Warren Buffett and me and you and everybody else has got the same 24 hours in a day. 
So either increase your price or find other ways of making money other than selling that fixed time for a set price. Yeah. The next one is value adding rather than discounting. So the amount of times I see people uh, thinking that if they drop their price, then you know, they'll be like starving seagulls and attract uh, more, more business. But all you'll get, as we've just discussed, is you'll get the bad customer that, that's only gonna buy on price and add value instead. I'll give you a quick example. Um, you go to a restaurant and restaurants are probably the worst at this. They never capture your details. And they never give you a, an invitation to come back again. So if, if you had an invitation to come back that said, Lee, come back and bring your family next time and I'll give you this bottle of wine worth 15 pounds. I'll give it to you for free if you bring one person with you. The other uh, offer is, Lee, I'll give you three pounds discount. What would you choose? The wine. <laughs> so it's 15 pounds worth of value. Yeah. And, but if you think back, what would that bottle of wine cost the restaurant from the wholesaler, do you think? Exactly. About three pounds. Yeah. <laughs> so you can do that in your business. So value add something that's value to the customer that doesn't cost you that amount. So you can give far better value than a simple discount. That's a great tip. That's a great tip. You see so many like discounting and um, it, uh, sometimes it devalues your product or your service. I think, and then uh, humans are trained to want discounts all the time. Then, if you're offering it once, they'll offer it again. Yeah, yeah. And for someone offering a service, you know, rather than give people free trials, give them double the time, or give them the next. If you offer a two or three service, give them an upgraded service, because that doesn't cost you anything, but it's better value for the customer. Yeah, great tip. Um, the next one is on buying options. So when you're buying stuff. Yeah, you know, look around for all the free stuff and there's a gazillion things and I'm sure there's more people than me that have uh, got a lot of free things. So if it's good value, look for the free. So the, the trick is if you can get the highest price and buy for the lowest price, then that gives you the better profit, doesn't it? <laughs> so the first option I always look for is if there's anything free going around, um, then take advantage of that. There's a lot of fintech startups at the moment that are trying to uh, get their product out into market. These are big companies with well-funded and they're giving you, you know, six months, 12 months free, come and play with my product, be a, uh, be a beacon for me and uh, give me a testimonial and I'll give you an access for a certain amount of time. The next thing is to do a contra if you can't get it for free. So in other words, if you sell widgets and you want to buy accounting, offer the accountant some widgets as payment because the widgets won't cost you, if you're paying a bill for a thousand pounds, won't cost you a thousand if they're your own widgets, right? Absolutely. And you've got a new customer in the accountant. Yeah. So that's the best thing. And if you can't do that, come to BBX because we can turn uh, the problem with a contra, which is having what each other wants at the same time for the same value. We turn that into a liquid currency that you can still pay with your goods and services, but the person on the other end doesn't have to take your services back. Yeah, we provide a third party uh, mixing bowl. Okay. And then if you can't do all of that, uh, get the best uh, cash price if you can. Ask for the better deal. Yeah, you know, I don't know how many times my wife hides when we go out shopping, but you know, I'll never go to the counter and, and pay the asking price. I'll always try and get a better deal. Um, so, you know, it's just my nature. And you know, you'd be surprised 50% of the time people go away, talk to their manager, whatever they have to do, and you get a you know, 10, 20, 30% discount. So 
at the end of the day, it's all a better money in your pocket than someone else's. Absolutely. The next tip is collaborations. And this is where uh, your partnerships uh, makes a play, of course, that you know, bundles are better. So if you can put collaborations with like-minded people together, um, so if you're offering, a, a, I'm a non-executive direct in a, a sign and print business, so we don't do graphic art. So a lot of our customers came and said, you know, it'd be nice to have a bundle. And so I went out into the BBX community, found someone that did uh, graphic design, paid for their services using BBX money, bundled them all together, and I just on charge my uh, direct customer for a better service now. I've been able to provide print and design rather than asking them to go away or bring their own print with me. The other advantage to that is that I've got control over the design uh, spec because most of the time when people come to me and get some printing done, it's not, uh, it's not ready artwork. You know, it's too pixelated or it's not quality enough. So when I print it, it looks like rubbish. So um, I'm able to deliver a better service. It's like why people go to the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker or to the supermarket. Most people go to the supermarket because they've got all the stuff there under one roof. Exactly. If you make it easier for the customer, you've got more chance of getting that customer. There you go. And outsource stuff that you don't like and are not good at. As I said before, you know, uh, Working with someone that's a great accountant or a great uh, widget maker or whatever it happens to be in your business so that you can focus on the stuff that you do like and are good at and therefore your earning rate should come up because you're not spending time on the stuff that takes you a lot longer to do and you don't like. Uh, like, you know, how many business owners do their own accounts, do their own marketing just to save a bit of time, yet they, you know, they paint walls for a living and you think, uh, surely you'd be better off painting more walls than spending time doing marketing and accounting because you don't you don't do those things well and you'd earn more money to pay the outsourcer does that make sense absolutely absolutely i brought in my first member of staff actually in july during the first lockdown and uh, it was one of those situations where after a month i thought why don't i do it sooner she you know she just took so much of the rubbish I didn't want to do off me. It's, it's essential stuff, but I don't want to do it. I'm going to get in the customers and it, it freed up that time for me to speak to more customers. It's made such a difference. Big, big tip. Great, great, great stuff there, John. Yeah. The next one is connections, which is right what YP do. Uh, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And, and Brock was telling me that, you, that, uh, that you, uh, your network is your net worth. Um, so, you know, get out there, get connecting, you know, uh, people will help one another out, particularly in these uh, times. Yeah. The next one is buying motivation. And again, I'll use a restaurant um, uh, or anybody, it really doesn't matter. But when people come and uh, visit your restaurant, don't ask them, did they like the food? What happens in the UK when you ask someone if they like the food, Lee, do you think? <laughs> They sit, there, they sit there nodding their head saying, yeah, John, that was all right. Thanks very much. But the, what they're saying in the back of their head in the UK is that I'm never going to come back here again. But they want to be polite. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that many times. I do it if myself. It, if it was it. in Australia or the US or New Zealand or Canada, they'd, they'd throw a rock at you and tell you straight away that the meal was rubbish. I'm not coming back. Um, but, but they don't do that here. Instead of asking that, ask the question, what motivated you? to do business with me today. So can I ask? So when you ask that question, you'll get a whole lot of little little uh, different answers. I worked with a restaurant group here and uh, that had lovely little pretty flower boxes outside the front of their door. They used to ask when you had the first bite of food, you know, do you like the food? Yeah, 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 go away. 
when they started asking what motivated, 28% of the recipients, mostly women, responded that what motivated them to walk into that restaurant day today was the fact that they loved the little pretty flower boxes on the outside. Wow. Wow. Wasn't the, sh wasn't the chef, wasn't the food, wasn't the hospitality, wasn't the greeting, it wasn't the, the, anything else. It was the flower boxes. Guess what that owner was thinking of doing? Getting rid of the flower boxes and putting some outside seating. <laughs> so if, if, he'd, if he hadn't started asking the motivation question, he would have been blaming Brexit, the weather, Donald yeah. Trump, somebody else for the down, downfall in business. So... Stop asking stupid basket marketing questions is where do you find me? It's the most dumb thing that you can ask. Ask what motivated you to do business? What was the thing that triggered saying, yep, I'm going to go buy from Lee today? Okay. Now, the next one is, and we're nearly getting to the end, uh, cash flow is like uh, a river. You've, to get better cash flow, you've got to either make it rain upstream or put a bigger wall up and stop the water getting downstream. So cash flow is super important. What can you do in your marketing uh, streams to bring more business into your business? And then how can you build that dam with cost saving strategies so that you can keep as much as possible without escaping downstream? And there's a thousand thing, different things on that. Just a couple little tips. Keep a VAT separate account if you're VAT registered. Because uh, when you charge VAT at the end of every quarter, you're tempted to spend the VAT money, aren't you? Yeah. And when the Batman comes knocking, you don't have the money and the next thing you're in trouble. So keep a little separate bank account just with the VAT money and bank it as you get it. And then it takes away the, uh, takes away the temptation. Yeah. And then next thing in this department is take deposits on work. So if you're a kitchen manufacturer and you've got a cost of sale of 50% of product, don't be frightened to ask for the 50% upfront when you confirm the order. And that way, if the person doesn't pay at the back end or some dispute occurs, you're not out of pocket. Does that make sense? Yeah, perfect sense. And the other thing is following on from getting proper customers, decent customers don't mind paying a deposit. And so you're getting a better customer, you're getting better security, you're getting paid. And in this, these times, you can't afford not to get paid. Uh, and then the last one in this category is sack the bean counter. And I've spoken to James Soden on this uh, and he agreed with me wholeheartedly because James is a great forecaster as an accountant. But if you've got an accountant at the moment, all it does is count the beans at the end of the thing, get rid of them because anybody can count beans. Um, measure the biggest hidden asset in your business. And uh, that is what we call spare capacity. So if you've got a time-based business, it's not selling every time, every hour, every day. If you're selling, if you're a hotelier, it's having unsold rooms. If it's a um, marketing company, it's extra ads you can do in a, in a paper. So there's a whole lot of things. So do something about monetizing your spare capacity. And as you know, Lee, that's where I play most of the time. Um, in, and why BBX works is we take that spare capacity element in your business, uh, market it out to the community, capture it in the form of a BBX digital trade credit to then buy some of the things that you wouldn't normally pay cash on. But I don't care what you do, have a think about, do you have spare capacity, measure it, and then what, ask yourself the question, what am I going to do to do something with this spare capacity? If you can't think of an easy answer, give time away in terms of give your customer that's good customer an extra hour for free. If you're not selling it anyway, do something with it. Provide some value, don't discount. And then the last one, da-da-da-da, drum roll, 
and this is the thing if um if uh if if i'd have known now what i what i uh, knew 40 years ago i would have done things a whole lot differently so the thing is to start with the end in mind so when you're starting out on your business or when you're taking that next step in your business from startup to scale up or you're taking a completely different uh, change think what does the end look like measure it all yeah. you, you know, and you have three different measurements you've got your BHAG goal big hairy assed goal <laughs> your great goal which would be fantastic and then what it is you must achieve and work the steps backwards to where you are today to what sort of marketing do you have to put in play what hours do you have to commit what does the premises look like simple things like what your domain is i started off with um, before the internet so i was already on my journey and i had a, a company called queensland trade exchange guess what happened though lee 13 years later well, i wanted to be out throughout the world yeah. so so why didn't i call myself world trade exchange to start with yeah when i'm buying a domain name do I want to be international? And if that's the case, why buy a .co.uk domain? Buy a .com for God's sake. So if you start with the end in mind and work your way back, a lot of the strategy steps in the meantime take care of themselves. It's a bit like going on holidays. Now, I know we can't go on holidays at the moment, so that's why it's pretty funny at the moment. So um, uh, when you go on holidays, Lee, and I don't know about you, but my wife plans my holiday. Yeah, same here. So, She'll know where we're going. She'll know the hotel. Then she works her way backwards. Before she does that, she'll look at all the restaurants there and how far the beach away is, what are the sightseeing, all the bits and pieces. So in order to do the holiday in the first place, she's got to start and be happy with where the end destination looks like. Then she works the way back. How do I get the flight there? What's the best time? Where, where do I connect up with the taxi? All the stuff that goes with that. Yep. Now, when you think about it, you know, that's a great... Uh, way of planning holiday so but people put more time into planning their holiday than they do planning their business <laughs> so true so that they start off oh i'm going to be a web designer today brilliant oh, okay i'm going to build a website because i did a course on uh, uh, some web building process and on my way i'm going to go where's it going to go oh, i've got no idea it'd be just like jumping on a plane and saying to the captain where are we going today by the way I've packed a suitcase and it's got swimmers in it. Oh, no, John, you're going to the Andes. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. So that's my number one tip. I listen, you know, you're so spot on. I listen to a, a guy called James Sinclair quite a lot on a podcast. He's a successful businessman. Um, he's only in his 30s over in Essex. And, and he always goes on about this. He says, um, build a business that you want to sell. So start off by thinking where you want to get it to and then reverse engineer it. That's exactly, exactly, exactly what you're saying. And, and, and that's how you're creating a war plan, not a battle plan. There you go. And James is one of my clients, by the way. Brilliant. I love the guy. Brilliant. Yeah, good character. So yeah. they're, they're, the, they're the 16 best tips. Um, there's probably other things that I could come up with. Uh, but but there are some strategies that people can go and play with and uh, consider and digest. And um, uh, I don't think you'll get too many arguments that, most of them make sense and, and none of it's stuff that i've invented it's all stuff that i've gathered over time from people that are far more brilliant than i am will ever be um but it's a matter of thinking about it you know you you you, you don't know what you don't know but most of this stuff you've probably learnt somewhere and forgotten yeah true. and you know you go back and think 
wow, what's uh, that was so stupid. Why did I do that? I knew not to do that. And yet you just go off and do stuff. You get, you get caught up in the moment. Yeah. John, it's been absolutely fantastic. These are great, great tips. It's going to be such a great podcast for people to listen to. How can people get in touch with you? We will put the details in the show description anyway, uh, you know, link to your LinkedIn and your, your email address, if that's all right. Um, but yeah, just give us a little information on where they can find you and, and find out about BBX as well. Yeah, so the, the BBX site you'll put there, but it's just uh, bbxuk.com and um, uh, all my LinkedIn, John Attridge, uh, is, uh, I'm happy to link in with people and uh, spend some time. It's, uh, it's amazing if you give a little bit of time, you get twice back. It, it's uh, 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 what I've found over, over the time of doing this. So all good fun. Brilliant. Thank you so much, John. I really appreciate that. Keep smiling, keep safe, and we'll speak soon. Absolutely. Well, there we go, guys. Thank you very much to John Attridge for giving up a little bit of his time to record this with me last week. This was brought to you by Your Partnerships. Don't forget, you can pop onto the website, www.yourpartnerships.co.uk. Check out all the networking events that are happening online at the moment. We've got a lot going on every single day, so there's always something for you and your business. And also, don't forget to pop over and just give us a little review on this podcast which, on whichever platform you're using and rate as well. And don't forget to subscribe because we love having you with us. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you again soon.